0: Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. The guard shut the door behind me. Howdy folks, howdy folks, and welcome back to Grass Talk Radio. I am, I'm going to uh, set the scene for you today. I am sitting in Columbus, Georgia. Just dropped Jackson off at the old Rainy McCullough School of the Arts where hopefully he's being edumacated sufficiently to succeed in this world. And, of course, you know, every day on the drive home back to America's, I try to un him, you know, try to make sure of whatever nonsense they're teaching him, you know, I can somehow counteract that. But I do love that school. It's a, uh, It's a beautiful place. It's a... It is one of the finest schools in the state of Georgia. And, you know, sometimes I, I, I just want to take a, a bat and hit myself in the head, like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing And then I stop and I see him and I think about him and I think, well, you know what, it's it's all worth it because that little kid is something else. I last week, week before last, saw him perform with the Voices of the Valley Choir. And I swear, I mean... I was tearing up, getting like cold chills up the back of my neck, and I admit I'm biased. It's, you know, Sonny Boy is up there singing his heart out. But let me tell you, all of you Bluegrassers, and I'm one of you, people, we need to work on our singing. Yes we do. Singing moves people far more than banjo picking. I mean, banjo picking does have a a powerful impact on people, as does mandolin playing and bass thumping and, you know, that old tin bucket sound you get out of your dobro and scratching around on that fiddle and all that out-of-time playing and out-of-tune singing. It does, you know, I'm not saying there's not a place for that. (laughs) But when you hear it done right, it just kind of knocks you back in your seat and you think, Man, it may actually be worth the effort to try to be very good at what you do, whether it's banjo picking, flailing away on a dulcimer and singing, or I don't don't care what it is you do. I think it's very important that at least one thing, one thing that you do, and I don't care if it's crochet or repair of the clutches of old Ford tractors or plugging tires or hunting down bugs in software. I I don't care what it is you do. You should, I think, put the time in necessary to be incredibly good at something it's very difficult to be incredibly good at everything (laughs) lord knows i've tried well actually i haven't tried everything but i've tried a lot of things and i always want to do very well at those things you know i want to play the banjo i want to play the fiddle i want to play you know and and that's just the music stuff let's you know I want to do well at whatever it is I I do, and I hope you do too. You should attack everything that you engage in with that attitude. However, you need to realize and observe yourself and determine those things at which you could be great at and put a little more time and effort into those things. Being awesome at something is, well, let's see, awesome. It's awesome to be awesome, you know. Well, when I heard Voices of the Valley, there was a lot of awesomeness on display on that stage. I'm going to put a link in the show notes, on the show notes page for today's episode, so you can enjoy that concert. They live-streamed it on YouTube, and I will post a link to the show. Just set your bluegrass thing aside. Put your, put that thing, don't list it on your phone. If you do, put in some head, you know, plug in some headphones, put it on something that sounds good. Now you're gonna hear some people coughing and, you know, babies crying in the audience and stuff like that. That's live performance. This is not a studio recording. This was recorded at um, Legacy Hall, which is attached to the River Center in Columbus Georgia it's probably about a five six hundred seat auditorium incredible acoustics they were awesome and you know what I want you to do is listen to them and then think about well how much effort do I put into when I sing oh I don't know gone 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 or uh sitting on top of the world or yeah pick your Pick your bluegrass jamming tune how much effort have you made to sing that at your at the the finest that you could possibly sing it i'm just saying you know you might want to think about doing that now on to the topic at hand see i you know i joked around when i started the podcast that well I, my wife said how many of these are going to do and i said well i don't know 500 now, and I've said, I don't know if I'll make it to 500, but, uh, you know, I have a lot of things that I've been wanting to say, and I, Lord knows I've said them, and I haven't made everyone happy. I, there are some things I have not yet talked about. I've not done the what is bluegrass episode i am going to do that and i will make a couple of enemies when i do that and i'm just not that eager to make enemies right now Um, i'm somewhat disturbed by the misuse of the term bluegrass that's for another day i know i know so we're not going to talk about that today so i you know i I'm putting out the weekly podcast and I'm I'm trying to be like that old cigar smoking guy that, you know, taught you how to play You Are My Flower on the Guitar at them lessons, and he smelled a little bit of like Jim Beam, and, and that cigar was just like, and you know, you're the little kid there taking your lessons, and I, I guess these conversations are sort of like that, because you might just write the dude off and go. Oh man, that old, that dude. But, you know, there's little grains, there's little gold nuggets I talked about in a podcast. They're in there. And if you'll pay attention, you know, you might uh, pull out an occasional flake of pure Dahlonega gold or something. So anyway, I get up this morning and I'm thinking, well, what am I going to talk about? What am I going to talk about? I already belly ached in the last episode about the G a folks and I'm sure I alienated and, and hacked off some of my G A folks there and all that. And then I listened to the voices of the Valley and then I went to, uh, another, I've been to a couple of concerts this week and it just, it, it, like I said before, it just knocks you back and thinks, you know what, you need to get your ducks in a row. You need to try to be really good at something. And let me tell you, those kids, they try to be good at something and they have good leadership and good instruction, amazing leadership and instruction. And they put it on. they There were no mistakes. If there were, I certainly didn't hear them. It's amazing what you can do if you really apply yourself with diligent rehearsal practice a plan an intended end result and then go for that end result you don't always make it i know i'm sure there were errors and mistakes in that performance that i that i'm not aware of but if you don't try to do that if you just like hey it's all good man uh, just hey man we're just picking you know then you're going to not be that good, okay? You might be having a blast, but I think there's value in trying to be super, super good at something. So I'm going to talk about something today. You know, I get up this morning. I'm like, what am I going to talk about? I have no idea. And, you know, as I'm in those just barely leaving the dream state, or, oh, it was a terrible dream I had last night, my wife had decided for some reason to take the windows out of the back of our house. And so in the dream, she's got crowbar and she's prying the window frames out of the house. And I can see them in the dream falling away from the house. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, well, I, I think we should do put some different windows. And I'm like, it's just like this crazy nightmare, which thankfully she didn't actually do that. She is right now actually up in New York, visiting her ailing mother. So she didn't actually pry the windows out. It was just a crazy dream. And I was thinking, oh, man, I got to fix these windows. And it was weird. it's weird. It, it's weird, the things you dream. But so as I'm leaving the dream state and, oh, the cold sweat, I'm wiping it off my forehead about those windows. And I'm then I begin to enter the conscious world. And the first thought on my mind was, I need to do a podcast, so what am I gonna talk about? And what pops in my head, I figured I would just go with. I was thinking about crab fishing. I'm sure you've all caught crabs at least once. In, no, no, not those crabs. That's for a different podcast, don't you? No, I'm talking about the Atlantic blue crab. If you haven't fished for crabs, you have not lived. And I'm thinking about this would be a great topic for a grass talk radio because, you know, because why? Why? <laughs> I, I don't know. And I'm thinking, like I usually do, there's got to be some tie-in between crab fishing and bluegrass because it's all related. Yeah. Let me take a little swig of my coffee here, which has gotten cold since we started. I get super chatty. I told my wife one time that I, I would take Jackson to school, drinking coffee the whole way there, and then on the way home, I would like test drive some of my ideas of what I'm going to do on the podcast, and when I came into the house, I was ready to go, turn it on, The caffeine has got me pumped up and I'm ready to talk. Well, maybe she was going to work from home that morning. And so half hour goes by, hour goes by, caffeine starts wearing off. And then she's, you know, 1030, you're like, okay, I'm leaving now. And she leaves and I'm sitting there going, eh, I think I'll just do the podcast tomorrow. And I would. I would just delay it next day. That's why sometimes you see it come out on one day and sometimes the next. So my coffee's already getting cold. I want to get through this crab fishing thing. So what's the deal with crab fishing? Well, the first idea I, that I had when I woke up was I was listening to this podcast. There was a new podcast out there. and I'm, I'll save that for a uh, Bride of Podcast Shoutouts episode, which will be coming out soon where I talk about the other podcasts I've listened to. There's a podcast out there and it's like uh, all about bluegrass and like, and I've listened to all the episodes so far and I'm not knocking it. Hey, it's cool. I guess it's just proof that I'm some old fart that uh, this podcast is all about like the jam grass scene, you know, it's so far anyway, and and a little bit of information and misinformation and, you know, about, um, you know, what is bluegrass and it's as if. Bluegrass started one place, proceeded to the next stage, then to the next, then to now the ultimate stage, and that it's it's just sort of writing off the original basis of bluegrass and the fact that there are a lot of people still doing it. You know. Anyway, that's a whole nother topic. But I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about this episode idea that I've had rattling around in my gourd for all this time about okay. I don't care how you define bluegrass. I mean, I sort of do, but I'm going to just tell you how I define it, and I haven't gotten around to that yet. I kind of got into it a little bit in that, you know, that bluegrass as a religion type podcast, but I forget what that was called. It's been a while ago. So I'm thinking about that, and I'm thinking about, well, there's there's a thing in machining. Like, I worked in a machine shop, a factory that built shoe repair machines, Right after I graduated from high school, I spent a year working in this in this factory, punching a time clock, wearing the blue uniform with the name Brad over my left pocket from the uniform company, and wearing the steel-toed shoes and stuff, and punching the clock, and I assembled shoe repair machines, wired up motors, ran in machines, assembled stuff, and whatever. And then I was moved to the chrome and nickel plating department, a one-man department. I was promoted to that. No raise involved, but... And I chrome plated little knobs and foot pedals and uh, stuff like that. Had no idea what I was doing. The the guy gave me five minutes of instruction and just left me to my own devices with these big tanks of acid and you know all these horribly poisonous chemicals, which is probably how I ended up like I am. I probably breathed too many of those uh, chromium fumes. I also did black oxide. And spent a lot of time sitting at a humongous belt sander polishing these things prior to running them through the nickel and chrome plating process. But anyway, hanging around all those old, crunchy old machinists and stuff, I discovered there was a thing, for many of the parts which they made, they would have a little gauge. It was called an in-out gauge, and it was just something that told them, "Eh, pass or fail, pass or fail. Like... You know, they just made this knob, and they'd grab up this little tool and stick it on there, and if it fit, it passed. If it didn't fit, it, it failed. It went in the bucket, you know. Um, and when you're crab fishing, every crab that you catch, because of the legal requirements of, you know, government regulations about which crabs and how big, et cetera, and what species and all that you're allowed to harvest— and gobble down with lots of melted butter, and you know, uh, only certain crabs are allowed. Okay, so you don't wanna be caught by the game warden with the wrong size crab. You have an undersized crab, so you have a little gauge, so you can measure the crab real quick. Of course, pros, you know, they've harvested so many crabs, they know whether or not that crab is legal or not. Like, egg-bearing females must be returned to the ocean, you know, uh, that, that sort of thing. And this little undersized little guy, he needs to go back so he can grow some more. Then we'll eat him, you know. So you got this in-out gauge. It's pass-fail. And I was thinking that's how bluegrass is to me. Jacks and I were listening to that uh, that podcast from that guy down in Australia, Paul Trenworth, I think is his name. I probably screwed his name up. Back porch bluegrass, I think is the show. Comes out of New Zealand. The guy plays all kind of all sorts of like varieties of bluegrass. And so we're riding home. We got an hour and the show's an hour. Driving home, listening to the uh, New Zealander, you know, banjo picker guy uh, playing all these great things. Starts with Flat and Scruggs. I'm like, Jackson, that is bluegrass. Then he plays somebody else. I'm like, that's not It was some Tim O'Brien. Great music. I was like, that's not bluegrass, son. Son, that's not bluegrass. It's good music. That ain't bluegrass. It's more like Cajun. You know, you got an accordion and a harmonica player. You got your harmonica. It's not bluegrass. I mean, even though Flatt & Scruggs did use a harmonica, and even though Bill Monroe did use the accordion, they also rejected those instruments, ultimately. And anyway, so I have this little mental in-out gauge, like pass-fail gauge. Bluegrass, not bluegrass. And, you know... More than one thing will fit in that gauge. There's more than one thing that can be called bluegrass. It doesn't have to just be Bill Monroe and the Bluegrass Boys or Ralph Stanley or whatever. Or this particular Osborne Brothers song is bluegrass and this one is not. Even though that probably is true in a few cases. But you've got the in-out gauge where you can decide, is that bluegrass or not? And all I'm saying is, I don't really care if it is or not. I'm just saying, don't call it bluegrass. Actually, I wasn't gonna talk about this in this episode. I'm gonna save all this for later. Just use a different name, quit like merging the words. If you're gonna call it jam grass, just stick with jam grass, call it jam grass, and that's what it is, you know? And don't say in the bluegrass community. No, that's not the bluegrass, in the jam grass community. Okay, we're going to come back to that one because that one really gripes me. <laughs> yeah. And I probably gripe some of those people. But I've, I've lived in those worlds. I have played and performed in that jamgrass community, and I'm not against those folks. Um, I think a lot of the angst in the trad bluegrass or the truegrass community, they don't need that just call it bluegrass if they would if the progressive and the jammer jam band jamgrass people would just stop stealing the word bluegrass and re misinterpreting <laughs> was it uh, Re misinterpreting it into an or redefining it is really what it is if they would stop doing that you could just keep your old thing you're bluegrass you're dixieland you're uh, you know baroque <laughs> I made the joke, you know. uh, Nah, forget that one. Um, So let's get back to the crab fishing. See, the deal is with a crab. If you haven't been crab fishing, I encourage you to do it at least once. Go down around Jacksonville or Savannah or anywhere down there on the Gulf Coast, and here's what you need to crab fish. First, you go get some chicken necks. You know, a lot of stores, like you go to Publix, you can't find chicken necks. They don't sell chicken necks because they know their customers don't want chicken necks. So you got to find the store that sells chicken necks. You know, there's a, think about all that chicken at Publix. Oh, you got your breasts, your wings, your thighs, your you know all this stuff. No necks. What happened to all the necks? Well, the necks weren't thrown away. They were sent. And a distributor sent chicken necks to other stores. So you got to find the right store, the right neighborhood, you know, where it's like we do eat chicken necks, you know. Same goes for the gizzards, the livers, the feet, you know, all that stuff. Well, you know, I'm lucky in my town to have a store that sells chicken necks. And generally, if you're in a crab fishing area, which I am not, by the way, I only do this when I'm traveling, you know, because I don't have any crabs around here. But I have crab fished. So you start with chicken necks. You need chicken. You could use a chicken leg, but you know why waste a good chicken leg? You know for crab bait. You know chicken neck. Get you some chicken necks. They're cheap. So you get you a couple of chicken necks, and you need a ball of string. Now, the proper equipment for going crab fishing is you find some old secluded like backwater bayou. You know, salt water, brackish, you know, it's like not at the beach. Don't go to the beach. You know, you're going back, you know, in along the intercoastal waterway, you know, finding a good swampy place and place you could pull your car down there. And now what you need is you need your chicken necks. You need your ball of string or twine or nylon cord or whatever, just some kite string, any kind of string. And you need a landing net. And if you don't know what a landing net is, it's a it's a, a long-handled, usually made of aluminum, stick with a net on the end of it. It's just like the goldfish net. The guy dips the little goldfish out at the, you know, when you go to PetSmart and buy a goldfish, he scoops it out. It's just like that, but it's a lot bigger. So it might be six feet long. They got little short-handled ones for use in a boat. But you want a pretty long-handled, Landing net. It's just like a green plastic net and a hoop and a handle. So you need that. And you you go wandering down there to the shore with your bucket. You need your five gallon bucket with lid because you got to have something to put your crabs in. You know, you can't like put them in your pockets and stuff. They'll be crawling out, you know. So you got to have a bucket to put your crabs in. And then you need a place to sit down because you're going to be there a while. So you bring a lid. You can put the lid on the bucket and sit on the bucket. So you got your chicken neck and you might have a couple extra chicken necks put in a Ziploc bag so they don't get that chicken grease all over that six pack of beer you got in your cooler. So you got your six pack, you got your chicken necks, you got your ball of string, you got your bucket to sit on. You might even have a, you know, your iPod so you can listen to grass talk radio while you fish for crabs. You take first You take the landing net and you've picked an area, a likely crab fishing area, that's sort of shallow but, you know, the sand tapers off under the water and it's kind of that old brownish looking salty old water. And you just slide that landing net out about, let's say it's a six foot long landing net so that about one foot is still just laying on the dry sand and five foot of it is out there under about 12 inches of water. And you could see it out there and that net just sort of like folds back as you scoot it out there. You just lay that net down there. Then you take your ball of string and you pull out one of them greasy old chicken necks and you tie that sucker on there real good. And then deftly you give that thing a little spin with your right hand and you, soup, you toss that chicken neck out there about 20 feet, plunk, drops in the water. Maybe you, maybe you can't see the chicken neck, but you know it's there. And then you put a couple loops of string around your left hand. And you sit and you wait. And you've thrown that string out beyond the net. So, let me set my coffee down. This is too cold to drink. All right, so you got your chicken neck out there. You might be listening to podcasts. You might be just watching the birds or just listening to the traffic go over the bridge over your head, you know. Don't matter. What you're doing is basically nothing. You're just sitting there fishing for crabs. And then blue crabs are out there. And boy, do they love the smell of that. Something about a chicken neck drives them crazy. Now, some of you may be like, you know, um... I don't know, card-carrying PETA members, and you just, you're just revolted by the thought of taking a live crab and throwing him in a pot of boiling water and eating him. But I, I would just like to remind you that a crab is really just the underwater version of bugs. You know, you don't have any problem in your kitchen if you see a big old cockro- cockroach to run over there and stomp his brains out. You know, it doesn't bother you at all. Take the Raid and spray it around, putting the boric acid around. You don't mind that a bit. You don't care nothing about a bug. You know, mosquitoes smack him. You know, you don't care nothing about a bug. Well, I just think of crabs as being ocean bugs. That's what they are. They're the insects of the ocean. So people that are a little bit revolted at eating a bug, but boy do they love them crab legs, you know, down at old red lobster. You know, they're just eating giant ocean bugs. That's. That's the way I look at them. They're just bugs. They're big old bugs that live in the water, and you're going to catch them and eat them. That's the idea here. So you listen to your podcast. You've cracked, you open one of them Coors Lights or a PBR or something, and you slung that neck out there, and you just sit and wait because you got to be patient. The idea is to slowly, very slowly, draw that string in, and very slowly pull that chicken neck into the net. Hey, 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 I think you get where I'm going here. And the crabs are beginning to congregate and they're nibbling and chewing and fighting each other and hitting each other in the face and stuff. Oh, ooh, it's an ugly scene. They're battling over that neck. They're grabbing onto it and they don't want to let go, you know. It gets kind of competitive and you're inch by inch by inch. Dragging that chicken neck closer and closer, but they're stupid. See, they're not, I mean, they're smart in crab ways, but they're not smart like we are, you know. You know how smart humans are and everything. We got it all figured out. (laughs) Boy, sometimes I think the crabs are smarter than us. So you're reeling it in, and those stupid crabs are just, they're fighting each other and trying to get a hold of that chicken neck. They want to get a big hunk of that chicken neck off, and they can't. And they're fighting, and you're just reeling them in, inch, literally inch by inch by inch, pulling that old cotton string. And it's wet, and you're reeling it in. And now they're beginning to become visible, and you see like five or six of them. And there's some big ones and little ones, and they're all over that chicken neck. And you just you slow down, and you ease them right to that net. And you let and the reason you didn't throw the chicken neck in the net to begin with is because the crabs are like out there a little bit deeper, you know. So you got to lure them in, you got to draw them in, and then when the chicken neck goes thunk and bloop and lands right, you get it right in the middle of your net, and you just sit there. You don't. You can just drop the string, take another swig of your beer, set that down. And don't make big moves or motions you don't want to scare them little crabs and you just reach down and you grab that handle there's about five or six of them clamoring all over that net and you just whoop, lift it up and there's your crabs and then you get off your bucket pop the lid off and dump them in well at that point you got to sort them crabs you can't be harvesting them little crabs unless you want a big ticket, you know, pay like a $75 fine or something. So you got to have a, have a look at them, get out your big old, you know, your big old rubber glove and reach down in there and go, you get to go back and shoom, throw them out. So you got to have legal crabs. So once you got your legal crabs, you put your lid back on, you get your chicken neck and you do it all again. And you do it until you basically do it until you run out of beer and then you go home. And hopefully you haven't drank so much beer that you get a ticket on the way home. But when you're out of beer, you're pretty much done fishing. So, and you might have a friend there drinking the other half, you know, or as or your designated driver. So you're reeling these crabs in. You're sorting the crabs, saying, this one's a crab, this one ain't. You're going to occasionally get some weirdo crab like a little fiddler crab or something, you know. And, well, he ain't, he ain't bluegrass. That ain't bluegrass, and you throw him back because you're looking for them blue crabs. And most of them are gonna be blue crabs, but you you know, there's other crabs out there. I mean, what if an octopus came up there? They probably like chicken necks too, you know? You might reel up an octopus or something. Well, you wanna throw him back because that ain't bluegrass, okay? So it's this pass-fail thing. In order to pass, you gotta be a crab you gotta be a blue crab and you gotta be legal size and the not an egg-carrying female. If you pass all those, then you're legal and you go in a bucket and you'll ultimately be in the pot. You know, sometime that evening you'll be in the pot and you are going to be delicious. And there's millions of them out there, millions and millions, you know. So they'll be back, you know. You're not uh it's not likely that one guy with a ball of string and a couple of chicken eggs is going to uh, wreck the crab fishery. You know what I'm saying? Um, now, there are commercial ways of doing this with crab pots, and you, know, you can get off a bridge with these little crab nets that you lower down and you raise up. You, you can actually see the crabs going in, and then you pull it up, and the sides fold up, and you reel it up real quick, and they're climbing over the sides, doing Geronimo over the sides to get away, and you got to you know, you're 50 feet up on a bridge, that's a little harder to do. To me, it's easier just to use the chicken neck. And you might say, what in the world does this have to do with bluegrass? You know, honest to God, I don't really even know. And I don't really even care because as I've said several times, I can't talk about bluegrass all the time. And you shouldn't either. If you're thinking bluegrass, 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 you know, you're missing part of life, and part of life is crab fishing and other things, plenty of other things. But I did think of one tie-in. As I was thinking about this crab fishing, i got to tell you, one time I was down in, uh, where was I? I was on the coast of Georgia at a state park, and it was right on the beach. And we, I went to this like backwater area and crab fish for a little bit and caught me about five big old legal crabs, brought them back to the campsite. I'm going to boil them crabs and eat them for supper. Only problem was, I, 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 my pot was too small. I only had one of these little dinky pots that comes inside one of those uh, like mess kits, you know, like Boy Scout mess kit, and the pot's only like three inches deep. It wasn't big enough to, to even fit the whole crab in, and I hated to boil them one half at a time. You know, like, let me boil your left side, and then I'll flip you over and boil your... I just couldn't do it. I took them down to the beach and just chunked them out, <laughs> and they scurried back into the ocean, so those crabs escaped. Anyway... I don't know what I was doing down there. Might have been going to, uh, I don't know, could have been going to the Jekyll Island Festival. Not sure. But, you know, if I'm around the ocean, I at least want to see if I can catch some crabs, them Atlantic blue crabs. And uh, so anyway, I was thinking, what does this really have to do with bluegrass? And the only analogy that I came up with is it's exactly like my website, because I have to plug my website, bradleylayer.com. BradleyLair.com is a chicken neck. It's my bait. It's out there in the world, and all the crabs out in the world, all the crabs out there are drawn to the smell of that chicken neck. You know, through Google and people posting links, which I hope you'll post links and help me advertise my site and my products. But that's the bait. And then you got the string. The string is my ad copy, my descriptions, my video samples, my free material. You know, that's that's like I'm inch by inch by inch pulling that little string. Because ultimately, hey, and there's millions of crabs in the sea, and most of them won't end up in my pot. I, I get the reality of it, okay? After this many years of peddling bluegrass instruction material, I think I get it. Not gonna get rich. Okay, I got that. You know, I'll never have like 10,000 pounds of crabs in this giant cooler. I know that's not gonna happen. But nonetheless, that's what I'm there trying to do. I'm just there pulling my little string. Come closer, come closer to the net, to the net, to the net. Well, the net is the buy now button. That's because once you're in the net, you're over at the store and you might actually purchase something. (laughs) That's the best I could do, folks. Sorry about that. And the other cool thing about this is the other analogy. It's not even really an analogy, but what's neat about this whole method of, you know, selling instructional material is that If a crab jumps overboard and swims away, eh, it's really no big deal. You know, people come to my website every day, and for whatever reason, that's not their cup of tea. They really want to play blues guitar or harmonica or something, and they just go on about their business. No big deal. They didn't like my chicken neck. I, you know, who cares? Some people do, you know. The big difference is, at the end of my little crab fishing Exercises that I don't eat you, and you swim away with all this knowledge of how to play bluegrass and how to play your dulcimer banjo or whatever. And you know, we all we both go away happy. I get what I wanted, you know, which was you know, give me some of that green stuff so that I can you know afford to buy the PBR and buy the chicken necks and keep fishing. You know, I I've only actually crab fished about I don't know six or eight times in my life but I do dearly love it I think it's fascinating to just watch those little suckers being lured in you know and if they only knew but they don't they're just you know and with my website I don't think I do it quite like that I mean you do know exactly what you're doing there's no tricks involved I'm not trying to snare you and throw you in a pot of boiling water with a lot of red pepper and salt and stuff I'm not trying to do that but it, it's a little bit similar in that there's the bait out there, and then you reel them in. You know, that's, that's the idea. Boy, I probably just lost a lot of sales right there. I would like to remind everybody, since it is almost Christmas, be sure to get your copy of Christmas Songs for Mandolin, which I did the bonus episode. Jackson did the bonus episode just a mere two weeks ago to encourage you to buy his little book. That's where he gets his money to do his Christmas shopping. And so far, so good. He sold a few. Uh, could stand to sell a few more, but I want to tell you that he is so magnanimous and so generous that he decided, he's like, dad, why don't we give the book away? I'm like, what? Hi, you ain't going to make it. You can't just give it away. He's like, put it on your Patreon, Patreon supporter site. Give it to your patrons because they're already giving you money to do the show. You know, give it to them as a little thank you. I'm like, that's a great idea. So just yesterday, we create, created a 100% discount coupon code. Now, if you're listening to this in future years or decades, um, you know, the deals, it's only for right now. This is one of those time-sensitive things. It's now through Christmas. Um, for the patrons over at patreon.com slash Laird, all those fine folks, who are chipping in a little bit each month to keep this podcast going so they can hear stories about catching crabs and how that relates to bluegrass, whatever bluegrass is. As a little thank you gift to them, any patron can go over there, learn the secret code, type it in during checkout, and get the Christmas songs for mandolin book for free. And... Even if you don't play the mandolin, you should go get it because it's a great little Christmas songbook. It's Christmas, folks. You should be singing Christmas songs, you know. And, well, you need a simple little book that you can thumb through the pages and everybody's got the chords and melody and lyrics to the songs. It doesn't matter if you play a banjo or guitar or bagpipes or whatever. It's a good little Christmas songbook, even though it also includes the mandolin tablature, and mandolin chord charts. But it's a great little songbook, even if you don't play the mandolin. So how do you get it? You can either go buy it at payhip.com slash bradleylaird. You could buy it, which Jackson would appreciate. Or you can become a patron of the show over at patreon.com slash Laird and you get it for free. So that's it, folks. What a strange episode. Hey, you know, there is that stop button. You don't have to listen, but I appreciate you listening. And I hope you'll be back next time. I've got a few ideas for some upcoming shows. I want to do some some technical things because I think sometimes I excel at, you know, explaining like precise instructions for how to do things like how to shuffle cards. You know, I could write up, you know, 500 words with step-by-step instructions of how to shuffle cards and, you know, some alien from Mars could come and read it and understand how to shuffle cards. I'm pretty good at those sort of detailed things. These bigger, larger, you know, philosophic questions stuff, sometimes I don't think I get across my meaning quite as well, but hopefully it's entertaining. I occasionally get an email from someone who says, oh, man, you cracked me up, or, oh, we got a kick out of that, or we love hearing this and that you know so i know it's part entertainment <laughs> i don't know if i set out to be entertaining or whether i'm just like some idiotic buffoon that just amuses normies you know i don't know but i am what i am and i'm glad you're listening and i hope you're learning things and enjoying listening to the podcast i will be back I might skip a week right around christmas so y'all if i if i do just know that i'm thinking about you Um, But, you know, we are getting into that busy time of year. So I might skip one week, maybe, maybe, maybe. Y'all have a great uh, week, and I'll talk to you in the next episode. This is Jackson Laird. I want to tell you about my downloadable PDF ebook called Christmas Songs for Mandolin. I created all the notation for this book and it has 12 traditional Christmas favorites in treble clef. Each song also has the mandolin tablature and the chord letter indications and the lyrics. You can play and sing these songs on your mandolin and, um, or any treble clef instrument. I, I played it on the piano. You just go look at bonus episode number what, what, I forget. I even included chord charts in the back for every chord used in these songs just because your Aunt Sally doesn't want to hear Salt Creek at Christmas. Just go to payhip.com slash Bradley Laird and get your copy today. Merry Christmas!